Hello, and welcome to the Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics relating to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Emma Bennett, and I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Ashley Rose Murphy. Today, we will be discussing Ashley's experiences living with HIV and how it's affected her mental health. Let's get into today's conversation. So, do you mind just telling us a little bit about HIV and what it's like to live with it? Well, for me, I was I was born with HIV. I contracted it from my late birth mother, who struggled with addiction and alcoholism for most of her life. And so, being being born HIV positive, that's really all I've ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, I never grew up with my birth mother. From the age of six months old till till now, I've been living with a family who adopted me as a baby. Uh, the Murphy family, and when I was seven years old, they sat me down and they told me, Ashley, you know, the reason why you take all these medications, the reason why you go to doctor's appointments all the time is because you have a virus called HIV, and when they told me, I was I was seven, I didn't really understand anything about it, I didn't even know what HIV was at the time, and so when they told me, I was just kind of like, okay, so what's for dinner, <laughs> like, it was really not a concern for me mm-hmm. and you know that I, I was young I was naive but then my parents were just like you know Ashley like you can't tell anybody they they wanted to make sure that they knew that I knew that I thought it was serious and that I was going to take it seriously mm-hmm. and my parents they always told me to be honest and truthful never to be afraid of who you are and so when I guess I kind of thought this subconsciously because this was so long ago But when my parents told me not to tell anyone, I just asked them why. Because, you know, because my parents had always told me to never tell a lie, to always be who you were. Mm -hmm. I thought that wasn't being true to what they said. I thought they were kind of contradicting themselves and saying, but but you want me to keep this a secret. Yeah. Why why does it have to be a secret? This is just something about me. Yeah. And so I just ended up telling everyone just because I wanted to. And sometimes, you know, that came with its issues. Sometimes it was all right. I found a lot of my peers, they were fine with it. But also I feel like it was because they didn't know what it was either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they're kind of blind to that. But whereas their parents, that they had a bit more information, but not all the time was it correct information. So some parents didn't want me over at their house because they thought the kids were going to get it. I guess through through touch or physical interaction or whatever it be, which is completely false. Mm-hmm. But it was at a young age that I learned because of these experiences that, you know, not everyone takes well to the thought of HIV because mm-hmm. not a lot of people are educated. Yeah. And if some people are quote unquote educated, they don't know the facts. A lot of them are misinformed. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where the issue, like that's what the issue was. And growing up, um, it did become a big issue for a while where parents would go to my principal in elementary school and say, we don't want her here because of my HIV. But mm-hmm. my, my principal at the time was super amazing and said, well, if you don't want your kids going to school with Ashley, send your kids elsewhere because Ashley's staying. And the thing was is that my... I, I grew up in a very small town, Ajax, 
in, a, in the Catholic community. I went to Catholic school my entire life. And so everyone kind of knew everyone. Everyone, especially in my school, knew my family because there was 10 of us. So there was no, no excusing. Be like, you would know who the Murphys were just because there were so many of us. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, like, again, with my HIV, like, that was pretty public in elementary school. It was never something I shied away from. Because, again, I just kind of told everyone. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, other, but honestly, the, the more I've, like, gotten older and everything, HIV is just something that I live with. It's yeah. nothing I really think about. You know, yeah. like I take I take one pill a day. It used to be several a day. I used to have to take them in weird liquid forms that I hated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now everything's fine. Like, I, I, I really don't even think about it that much. Right. And so, as you were mentioning, you faced a lot of stigma at a really young age, at seven years old, you said? It honestly, like when I first started telling people, it was... It wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I started actually really speaking out and getting active and involved in the community at age 10 mm-hmm. when I started speaking to more so just doctors and nurses in a, in a big lecture space. And it was mostly just for research purposes. Mm-hmm. They would get a panel of like six or seven youth kids around my age, a little bit older, just asking us about our experiences, our medication, what we take. And just our normal day-to-day lives and how we live as children growing up with HIV. So I started doing that. And I felt that that was pretty much the gateway that opened up this whole world for me of speaking. Right. And I I only did it just because the older kids in my clinic at SickKids, mm-hmm. when they were asked to do it, I was like, okay, I'll do it too. I just kind of tagged along as the little sister. Mm-hmm. I was like, whatever they wanted to do, I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I did it with them. But as time went on, the um, doctors and whatnot, they kept asking us to do more stuff. And a lot of the older kids, as soon as they said, can we use your name? Can we maybe use your picture of, like, your likeliness? Your likeness. And they they said no. But for me, I was like, okay, you can use my, my name, my full name. I don't have to use an alias. You can use my picture, mm-hmm. my stories. I don't care. Quote me. Because for me, it was never something that bothered me. It was never something I needed to feel ashamed of or afraid of. But I mean, that was my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. And I also grew up going to a camp for kids with HIV. They were either infected or affected. Right. And so these kids, like we, it was only a week of camp every year. But every single year, the same kids kept coming back. Mm -hmm. And so you really grew tight bonds and connections with these kids. Mm Mm-hmm which was amazing because you were able to find people like you or people in a similar situation who could understand you. But a lot of these kids that I met, they didn't have the same positive experience as I did. I mean, I can't say mine's been positive all the way around. There definitely was issues, but in comparison. And a lot of times it was immigrant families who they come to Canada. No one knows who they are. No one knows their status because they're just trying to start anew. And so for example, the mothers are very protective of their children, and they usually say, you can't say anything, which is similar to what my mom did. She said I shouldn't tell anyone, but then I did anyway, because mm-hmm. well, why not? But at least that's what I thought growing up. And it was from, like, hearing all these stories, because we, we did a lot of storytelling. We just we were just sharing our lives. We started opening up to each other a lot. 
just because of the community and how strong it is. And then I realized, well, I feel like I'm in a pretty good position and I feel comfortable with talking about it. I was one of the only youth at the time who felt actually really comfortable talking about it. So I was like, hey, let me just, let me do this because I want to help people. I want to give a voice to those who don't have one. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of started from, you know, those conferences of like 50 to 100 doctors and nurses and started getting to more and more things, speaking at gala events. And then, you know, one thing led to another and just, yeah, it just kind of became this domino effect. And I just spoke anywhere I could because I loved it. Um, sounds like public speaking is something that comes really natural to you. And like you've used that to spread awareness and also to help people who are misinformed about HIV. And you've spoken at We Day, is that right? Yeah, I I was a We Day speaker from, you see, I started speaking with them at age 16. My right. first We Day was a couple of days after I turned 16, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up in my grade 11 year doing the entire tour. Mm-hmm. So I did 15 cities that year. Wow. Just touring around and speaking with We Day, and it was a really awesome experience. Yeah. Wouldn't have traded for anything in the world. I mean, in grade 11, kids are going to parties and, you know, doing what they do. But I was just, like, going to Chicago one day, Seattle mm-hmm. the next. And I was just, I mean, I had to do homework on the road, so that kind of sucked. But otherwise, like, everything was amazing. Like, I loved speaking. I loved getting the word out. I just... My main goal has always just been to help people. Mm-hmm. It's never been like, oh, look at me, hear my story. Yeah. Or anything like that. Or it's never been like, feel bad for me or anything like that. I don't use my story as a sob story. I use it saying, hey, like I've gone through some stuff, but that's not to say that anyone else hasn't. Yeah. But it's through these obstacles that we can overcome if we just, you know, you gotta love yourself you gotta have a good support system because I really wouldn't be anywhere without my family today Mm -hmm. like like genuinely I would not be here today at all without them and so how would you say that um your diagnosis has affected your mental health and what have you done to sort of overcome that well it's honestly been a pretty interesting journey I want to say depending on where I've been at in my life So, like I said, found out when I was seven, very naive, just told everybody. But a couple years later, there was a big shift. And I think that's when I started realizing, like, hey, wow, people don't react as positively as they thought they would. And then I realized, wow, HIV is actually serious. Because I didn't realize how serious it was at first. Um, Not for my case in particular. I mean, I was very sick until the age of five. But I end up, I, I mean, right now I'm really healthy. But growing up as a kid, I mean, it definitely did affect me greatly. Growing up, there was a period probably when I was like nine or ten years old when I had so much animosity and hatred towards my birth mother. Mm-hmm. And I think that stemmed from, not even I think, I know that stemmed from me just not understanding and me just being angry at her, and I was just like, why did my birth mom give me HIV? Why did she give me fetal alcohol syndrome? Like, I, it was, I was throwing myself a pity party. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of be like, why me? Why me? I, I, I was like 9 or 10 years old when I was saying all these things. And my, and my mom, Carrie, my adoptive mother, 
she she heard this attitude and she's she's not one for putting up with attitudes like that and so one day she sat me down she's just like Ashley when you're in the third grade and the teacher asks you you know what what do you want to be when you grow up no one's ever going to raise their hand and say I hope to have all my children taken away become an addict and an alcoholic you know have all these things happen to me and these are all the things that happened to my birth mother and she says like she always said to me growing up and just like when people don't get the help they need they dig themselves a hole too deep for them to get out of and that's exactly what happened to my birth mother Mm -hmm. addiction is a crazy mental illness it's a mental illness that has impacted my life greatly not for me personally i i don't indulge in any of that stuff i don't i don't drink at all and i don't drink because of my fetal alcohol syndrome Mm -hmm. and not only that i mean realistically i could but I don't want to. I don't want to take the chances. I don't want to become an alcoholic because it does run in my family. Mm -hmm. I just want to be that generation where I don't have to worry about that. And it's just I've seen so many people I love either die from it or just really struggle mentally, physically, emotionally. And it's not fun. It's really not. And so hearing this from my mom at a young age, it it snapped me back into reality really quickly. I was just like, you know what? I can't be looking at it like this anymore. I can't. Because it was, it was really messing with me. And when my birth mom, she passed away when I was 12. And that really messed with me as well. Just because of, I mean, it wasn't due to HIV, thankfully. It was due to other circumstances. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I mean, my mental health was really affected at that point kind of just struggling with myself, but also with my illness and kind of what that meant for me. Mm-hmm. And along along those same lines, I growing up, I was, there was a point when I was really scared. And I would also ask my mom, I'd be like, hey, just randomly, do you think I'm going to be able to grow up and have kids? And when, it, when I say that, I was just like, do you think I'll be alive? Like, do you think I'll be able to survive this, get through it? Because I, as a kid, I didn't know what the reality of the situation was. I didn't realize what this was going to do to me in the future. Because ever since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to be a mom. And so I asked that question a lot. I was like, do you think I'd be able to have kids? Do you think I'll be able to go to university? And every time I'd ask one of these questions, my mom said yes, always giving me reassurance. And what do you know? I'm in university right now. Mm-hmm. Grow and. Growing up HIV positive, like I never thought that being able to be a mother one day would be a chance. Like I'd have a chance to do that. And I know that that is scientifically possible. And my kids one day when I have when I have kids, they, they won't get HIV, they won't contract it. And so that's amazing for me. But these are some things that I never knew as a kid. Yeah. And these these thoughts really troubled me. They really messed with my mental health. Because it's, it's not fun knowing, you know, hey, what if this kills me? And that was really the mentality I had for a while as a kid, which is scary nonetheless. But it was, I definitely want to say that HIV made me grow up a little bit faster than everyone else, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, it really, really taught me to be a stronger person, to be a more empathetic person, to really know what I want and go for it. 
because life is too short. And knowing what I know now, I know that I can live well into my 70s, 80s. I just have to keep taking my medicine. And it's one pill a day. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I don't even think about it most days. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were unsure of how long you were going to live with your condition, did that kind of change the way that you were living, like, every day of your life? I mean, I was a kid, so I don't particularly particularly remember Mm -hmm. um not so much that I can remember I mean these were definitely just thoughts I had Mm -hmm. I don't know how much it affected me on a day-to-day basis I mean I think what really threw off my my mental health was having my birth mom pass away right like that that was just a very triggering experience there there were times that like I said before yeah I don't think it messed up my my day-to-day, but it definitely was something I always had in the back of my head for a while. Mm-hmm. So that that was definitely something. And there were times growing up when I was just like, because of my HIV, I'm different. Because I'm different, I'm not good enough. Right. So I had, I had thoughts like that always kind of going back into my mind a lot, which definitely messed with me. And then on top of that, kind of going through those motions of, you know, hating myself, self-pitying, all that stuff. And then once once all that was over and I started, you know, be, becoming stronger and knowing who I was more and just being okay with the fact that I was HIV positive, that was all around the time that my mom passed away. And so that kind of set everything back for a bit. Right. Where I was doing so well and I was growing so much, and then that just kind of took a buzz. Mm-hmm. Not to say that a lot of these feelings came back, but it was just kind of hard to get to that place again for a while because I was dealing with so much emotionally. I don't want to say I, I, I don't want to say I was depressed, but I definitely was in a depressive state. Yeah. Um, I definitely wasn't doing as well in school anymore, just because of all of this. A lot of people, they didn't think that I actually knew my birth mom at all because I was adopted. And I didn't get to see my birth mom regular, regularly just because of the addiction and alcohol problems. Mm-hmm. But I did talk to her on the phone all the time. And she would always ask me how school was. She was very invested in my school because she thought education was very important. And so that was one of the first things she always asked. She, she loved me very much, and I know that. And... I, just after she died, it it, it took me a while to kind of get back into the swing of things. It took me a while to get back into speaking. But also at the same time, I feel like when my birth mom did die, it gave me a whole new purpose. Mm -hmm. And even more of a reason to keep going. Because my mom, she didn't know of her HIV status when she was tested alongside me. I was really the reason why she started taking medication was because as a baby, like, I was very sick, but I was in a coma for three and a half months. I went to cardiac arrest at six weeks of age. And so when I was six months six months old, that's when I got out of the coma, out of uh, respiratory distress. And when I was placed with this foster family, that's now my adoptive family, the Murphys, as I've said, I was still very sick, only given a month to live. But... From the moment I was in their care, I was taking on medication every single day. I was getting fed every single day. I was just being properly cared for. 
and my birth mom saw that. And as a result, she started taking medication for her HIV because she saw that it was helping me and making me better, right. making me feel better. So I was kind of that inspiration for her. And I think that she was kind of the inspiration for me to get back in there mm-hmm. and to keep talking, to keep fighting. Because I've always been a very happy-go-lucky person, despite all of these trials and tribulations, things that I've gone through. Just because, like I said, like life's too short. So that's kind of the mentality took on after my birth mom passed away, after kind of getting out of that rut that I was in. Mm-hmm. Being like, you know what, I have to, I have to do this. It's even more important now. Mm-hmm. Well, before we start to wrap up, I just want to say thank you, Ashley, for being so open about your story with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. You've reached the end of this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thanks for joining us. Connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content. See you at the next episode.